You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. <laughs> I'm Eric Jurgensen. I'm Jen Justice. And I'm Stevie Molsoff. And we are the Dream Homes by Jen real estate team. Today, we're going to kick off our inaugural episode. We're going to call it Today's Dream, and it's a current look at what's going on in Kansas City real estate right now. We're going to do this every couple of months. We're going to record them really close to when they get published so it can sort of be kind of a current events thing. So, ladies, let's talk about it. What's going on in Kansas City real estate? Well... Did you see those flames down the street and that for sale sign, Eric? The flames? Yes. Oh, man. It's a seller's market, isn't it? Well, yeah. So the flames are from the Marty McFly's DeLorean, right? Back and, to the future, baby. Right. you got to fly that thing in really, really fast to get a house in this market, right? 88 miles an hour at a minimum to get a house in this market. Yeah, it is nuts. It is it's bananas. definitely a, a, a seller's market. But ultimately... Um, and we'll provide some numbers here in a minute, but ultimately, I don't. I personally um, don't believe this is particularly good for uh, buyers, sellers, real estate in general. Yeah, it's funny when you're talking to people about real estate. One of the first things I hear a lot of times when I'm just out and about is, "Wow, the real estate market's really great, isn't it?" And I think that's kind of a misperception. While values are going up, this market is unhealthy for all parties. Right. We do a lot better in balance, no matter what it is. And the tables are tremendously turned and and slanted to where the sellers have a a very big advantage right now, although it does affect them when they go out to be a buyer because they are going to struggle the same way that every buyer in this market struggling and competing with multiple offers. You know, could just be two, but man, I've seen as high as 20 offers on a house personally. And I know I bet you there's some agents that have seen more than that in this market. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's absolutely nuts. Let's toss some numbers out. Um, I, and I think here's an, a neat way to do it. We speak of uh, inventory. Uh, we speak in terms of months available of inventory. It's generally relatively simple math, the number of homes versus the number of homes sold. And we talk about how many months. And as a general rule, Three months of inventory is considered flat, neither advantage to the buyer or, or, or balanced, neither advantage to the buyer or the seller. Now, in Kansas City, we've been under three primarily for the last, I don't know, four or five years, maybe more. But we've been in the two twos when it's really bad, two five, two seven. So it's always because our property values are increasing higher than the national rate because they've been lower than everywhere else nationally for a long time. Uh, what was... If you remember, because I know we talked about it, what was it? I think it was last month or the month before. What was that inventory? Oh, there was like just under 1,300. Right. And the, um, in our entire 39 county area that our association serves. And, and the figure when we were looking at, you know, previously something that was really tight was 2.2. The number is either last month or the month before was 0.7. It's very, it's even less than that, I think, right now. It's less it's than a month's worth of inventory. Five. Yeah. And it's rotating very quickly. For example, in a zip code that we're in, 64155, okay, Monday morning, there were 28 listings still on the market, um, which is not a very big number for this area, but I thought that was more than maybe I would see. Well, the next day, it was down to 11. So that shows you like how many 
went off the market because I think a lot of people are marketing on the weekends. Oh, so. yeah. So, and you look at the right the multiple bid mm-hmm. scenario, and people are putting stuff up on Thursdays and Fridays, and they're not they're not taking it off in the MLS. Go to the hotel for the weekend. Go yeah. to Great Wolf Lodge or whatever because the zoo is coming to your house. I mean, that's that's a real description, right? You're going to have cars lined up and down the street and. While we're not in COVID protocols anymore, um, things are starting to loosen because there was a large period of time where it was one in, one out, or space in between showings. And it was really sometimes difficult in this market to talk to clients about, I'm sorry, this is very hard to get into because you have 30-minute windows and you only have so many 30-minute windows in a day that buyers can go through a home. So it was particularly difficult to get an appointment to see a home throughout COVID. I mean, these are just some of the factors that went into what was going on in real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, we we uh, still work with... I. I work with some people now that haven't dealt in real estate in the last four or five years to say nothing. And nobody's seen a market like this. This is, this, there's, it doesn't matter how many years of experience you have in real estate. This is new, but you know, traditionally, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 15 to 20 years ago, you could go see a house, um, sleep on it, think about it for a little bit, go back and have another showing, maybe even a third. Right, Bring pop- the parents kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, there used to be a lot more opportunities to think this through, and, and now it's ours. Well, and there's, and there's a lot of clients who still sort of try to operate that right at the beginning and then you know they they're like well yeah let's go back and like you know sorry it's it's you know I mean we try to warn them but sometimes it's personal experience that brings it home and this is part of the reason why I think it's horrible you know for anybody who's trying to buy property is is that they're having to make decisions so incredibly quick uh, and and this is their largest financial instrument in many cases if not most cases and and it's just it's not good and then there's some other things that are going on in the industry right now because of this huge demand um, that, that I don't think are particularly positive. Um, and so one of which um, is um, it waiving home inspections. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I just, I can't tell you conceptually what a horrible idea. I think we all think that. Well, is. and you know, even in this market, so I get the fact that the buyers get to the place where they're frustrated, right, Stevie? I mean, you've got personal experience with a client yeah. right now that they finally got to that place where they let go. Hey, well, yeah. let me ask you this. you were Stevie, you were looking at, and I think you just finally went under contract for an investor, uh-huh. a property. How hard was it finding that investment property? And that's a property that somebody wants to buy and become landlord on. It was very difficult. And it's so they're not only investors, they're first-time homebuyers as well. So they were planning to buy it and live there for a while and then eventually move out and rent it out. And so with them being first-time homebuyers, they ended up having to waive their inspections in this market. And it's it's kind of concerning. Yeah, I mean, they chose to do that. But I said, hey, you know, you can always have that home inspection for knowledge. Yeah. I mean, it behooves you to know what you're at least getting into, know on the backside. And the other thing I really like about the home inspection team that we've always used is that they go over just some general maintenance items. And we try and do a lot of that here, as well as with Tip Tuesdays and stuff. But some you just don't know what you don't know in regards to homes. And when you are new into, you know, gutters and roofing and responsibilities for it on your own, it just behooves you to know all of the pieces to that puzzle. Mm-hmm. I do always try when I'm doing showings, whether people are getting inspections or not, to point out the things 
that are very obvious like that. The roof, the gutters, the way the foundation slopes. Keep them that. clean. Keep a, the water going of, away. Yeah, a lot of buyers wouldn't really... I mean, a lot of them do know to look at that stuff, but a lot of first-time buyers really don't think about those kinds of things. They just see the house and, yeah, I like it, but... Well, we sort of we sort of give first-time buyers this rap of not knowing what they're doing, and some mm-hmm. of that's just experience, but let's face it, some people who you know haven't bought you know, homes for, what is the average now, seven years, ten years? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even if they had all of that knowledge, if they, you know, it's, it's, it's not the kind of thing you remember unless you're doing it every day like, like we are. Yeah. Well, and by the way, in practicality, water in your basement feels different in practice than it does when we're just discussing <laughs> it, right? Like, when, when we have tons of rain and your gutters are clogged and you've got that nightmare of getting up on the roof and cleaning that out in the middle of what's a nightmare storm right i wouldn't advise that but when you've got these issues and you feel that you live it it's a little different than hey we're talking about your gutters today as being a first-time home buyer and blah blah blah. you know what i mean it's just very different so this market Mm -hmm. has been challenging in all facets for Think about a seller that's got to look at those 20 offers. Think about the agent that dealt with probably 80 to 100 phone calls on that particular home. I mean, all in the matter of 36 hours. Yes. All in the matter of just days on the market. I mean, you've really just got to mentally prepare. And that's one of the things our client said was thank you for mentally preparing us for this market because it's exhausting to lose a home multiple times and that's you got to be ready to bat in this market and it might take a little bit to hit a home run so some clients i just closed uh well it's been about six weeks now um because i i almost hate to tell the story of the people i closed last week because it was so easy but uh i just i remember them uh i remember the process because they're such wonderful people but uh we were on offer 13 Mm -hmm. offer not home 13 offer 13 and they didn't put in ridiculous lowball offers thinking the market was different than it was they were very aware and all of their offers were competitive and offer 13 they finally got accepted and let me tell you that that they were troopers they because that that was not fun and it was not easy Mm-mm. and that's what i tell people don't get discouraged because it's all about who shows up and sometimes you might be the right one at the right time that shows up on that particular house and everybody else had a graduation that weekend. I mean, that would be the example right now. We're in May. We're in graduation season. And yes, people still have to buy homes and moves. But if you show up at that particular time on the weekend that that particular home is listed and you're the right buyer at that time, I mean, all those pieces. So you just got to keep back. Well, let me give I you, mean, a, let me give you an example, right? So uh, a home for this wonderful couple that we just closed uh, last week that they uh, they looked at a, we looked at a lot of homes but they hadn't put in an offer yet and finally found a home that was just it hit all of the buttons uh, and they put in an offer and well they were considering putting in an offer and what I noticed was is that there really weren't a lot of showing scheduled and we felt like the home was overpriced and I think a lot of realtors have problems trying to figure out what the right price is as, you know, property values have increased as much as 15 or more percent in the last year. And I think this particular um, agent shot a little too high. And then maybe it was just a bad weekend and they didn't have any showing. So we went in, first house they offered on, now they looked at a lot, we went in several thousand dollars under asking price 
and got accepted immediately. Well, and I think and, too, and part that's of not because I'm the greatest real estate, real estate agent in the world. I'd like to think that, but it's because, you know, we just, they were persistent and then they just, they threw the dart at the right time. Well, and sometimes I think I've had a lot of calls from various people that might or might not really want to sell their home, but they want to put a price tag on their home that is well over a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars of the next closest comp in their general area. And what I, I get it, sellers, I, I love you. However, we are still probably subject to an appraised value because there's still not going to be, while there is more people than I've seen in a long time paying cash, the reality is that the majority of the buyers will have to get some type of loan, whatever that looks like. And so you are still going to be bound by that appraisal and the valuation of that home. Now, there's some exceptions to that, and there's a lot of cash in this market that you know maybe hasn't been in it before, but the, the moral of the story is most people have to get a loan to buy a house. Mm. Right. And so people, though, with cash, and that's something that, that your traditional home buyer is fighting against, is people with cash are doing appraiser waivers. They're saying, hey, look, if this thing appraises up to five or 10000 or $15,000 less than what I'm willing to pay for it, I'll still pay it and I'll cover that part in cash outside of whatever my financing is. And that makes it incredibly tough for your average home buyer who mm -hmm. has to get a mortgage and is struggling to come up with, you know, closing costs and down payment. And because yeah. that's just the reality of, of you know, and that's of, of and unless you've owned a home and not taken the equity out of it, most people don't have, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars lying around. So that's that's that struggle to get into the the so first time home buyers especially are having a, a lot of problems with that. And I know. My heart really goes out to them in this market because the perception of the real estate industry, and this being your first experience, oh. breaks my heart, honestly, a little that, bit. And that's why I say it's, it's this so challenging. Yeah. And I mean, it is tough for sellers also, um, especially if they're going back out and being a buyer, but they have gotten their feet wet in the real estate market. So they know that it wasn't always like this. But if this is your first rodeo, yeah. This is not what it's always like, we promise you, and I promise you it won't always be like right. this because just like every, just like the weather in Missouri, right? Just wait a minute, it'll yeah. change. Now, I do think it's going to be more than a minute, and I was actually just listening to a David Ramsey uh, a show. He's that financial guru guy, and he doesn't see home prices coming back down for some time, but I've heard all kinds of perception. Our economist, uh, Lauren Shun, the National right. Association of Realtors, Would he doesn't really see it coming yeah. down in the next 12 months either. We are going to have some leveling of this market, meaning maybe you won't be competing with 20 people, maybe you'll only be competing with five people, but you're still going to have a competing market for quite some time. So, if you, you know. If you look at the Midwest home prices compared to what's going on, and we used to say the coast, it's a fine way of saying not the Midwest. Um, we've been undervalued. We're going to uh, be talking about that here a little bit, actually in another podcast that you guys should be listening to coming up uh, uh, about home offices. And we'll be talking a little bit about uh, employment markets uh, with our guest, Scott Quinn. But you should be, uh, uh, I don't think the prices are going to come back down. I think they're going to level out. I think this is only one minor adjustment that the Midwest will make over the next probably 25 years to bring their ho uh, housing costs up to where it is on a national level. Um, one of the things that you also look at, we talk about housing shortage, and we say, well, how did how did we get there? So let, let's toss out a couple of things. That is a good question. It, it, well, it is, and there, there's really two reasons. Number one, um, housing starts. So this is new homes. 
uh, housing starts have been off really since the crisis of 2008. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and we're still not up to that same level. Now right. we're getting closer to that level, which that's another reason that we don't have a bubble, right? Because we don't have the housing starts that we had in 2008. We don't have all the right. factors. The, the 2008 so. problem was a problem with um, inappropriate lending. We do not Money. have. Yeah, we do not have that problem. We now. don't. We still have good. But we we really weren't building houses at a level that was necessary for the market. So that's part of the reason why Kansas City's been in a five or six or longer year stretch of having less than appropriate inventory. And it's not just here, it's across the country. But here's another reason, and I know people are so sick and tired as we're coming hopefully to the end of this problem, I mean, at least in our country, but but COVID had a huge, huge impact. And here's the impact I think it had that we don't talk about. What we do know is, is we do know that there is more Americans have more money in savings now than they ever have, and it's almost exponential. It's like five times as much and 10 times. It's not, hey, they make more money, so they save a little bit more. Um, And a lot of that had to do with the economic uncertainty of what's been happening over the last year and a half. Well, let me tell you, uh, as I get older, I can guarantee you who's scared more about what's going to happen to their money. It's older people. Yeah. Because they're on very fixed incomes. They can't go, oh, I'll just work harder and make more. I'll get a new job. i got plenty of time to deal with that. They're like, no, I've got X number of dollars, and I don't know exactly how long I'm going to ride out. But it's not like I can go start digging ditches for a living uh, or you know, drive a school bus to make extra money, mm-hmm. which you know, what my parents did growing up. The, the, so it's the baby boomers, and they are traditionally, whatever your oldest generation is, they're the ones that are bringing homes back onto the market. Right? Mm-hmm. They're bringing them back onto the market because they're downsizing, they're moving into group home, family home situations, all of these things, they're selling their homes. And baby boomers aren't selling their homes. And so that's a huge shortage that we have. So we add that to an underserved build, you know, new start market, and we have this massive shortage of homes. And so that's sort of how that's occurred. Um, but now let's talk about, like, Potentially, this has all sounded discouraging, right? Let's get let's talk, let's talk about some things that are a little bit more positive that that have happened in this market. Um, number one, home values have come up, right? And we know that um, the value of your home that that homes are the largest wealth builder in the history of America, and right, and we and we uh, so um, that helps. And if you are not in the market right now to buy or sell, and you own a home that this can only benefit you down the road as you essentially have instant equity. You have 15% more equity than you did last year automatically without doing a thing, without making a payment. So that's a good thing, right? It's wealth building to pass on to your generations or to use later on for whatever capital expenditures you have. Well, and it's it's also prompting some efficiencies to come about that maybe needed to come about, i.e. 3D tours, video tours, some other things to help people uh, do a a better job analyzing stuff than they were able to do pre-COVID, right? So we've we've advanced our efficiencies and some technologies that's really going to be beneficial for years to come, which I like that piece of it as well. Um, what else is going on in the market today? What are some things that probably people have questions about or that we should be chatting about before I start asking you about your own, like, what's going on personally? Oh, yeah? What's going on with mounted shooting? No, I'm just kidding. Um 
I don't know. Let's see. What else have we got going on? Well, here's, got- another, here's another hot topic in real estate. Well, it's just in, in life in general, which is lumber. Hmm. Right. So I saw I saw a social media meme that was uh, a, a, a person holding an eight by, you know, holding up an eight by 10 sheet of plywood. And they're like, we'll trade for late model Ford F-150. <laughs> or Corvette. I like that yeah, one. Or Corvette. Yeah. No lowballing me. I know what I have. Yeah. You know, it so. is funny the way you look at uh, some wood now and you're like, wow. That's really gotten crazy. I mean, what were the statistics? We were talking about a, a deck to build um, five years ago, and that may be more years than it was. It was $900. Same deck's like 3200 bucks now. Yeah, I think uh, I was just reading something this morning that said the average cost of uh, raw lumber for a new home, for an average new home, uh, I think it was three years ago? It was three years ago or less, maybe two years ago. Uh, was somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand dollars, and today it's over forty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really gone up. It's it's a when, something's got to give, right? So it is crazy. Everybody asks. I, I, everybody I talk to says, you know, why does this happen? How did this happen? So let me toss it out there. At least what the research I've done is uh, because this one isn't all on COVID. COVID played a part in shutting down mills, uh, and then when they came back, they had to be socially distanced, so they couldn't produce as much. And that definitely, and like everywhere across the world, some businesses didn't survive the shutdown. Um, but uh, interesting, uh, a report from Barron's uh, suggests uh, underinvestment in lumber um, has has been going on for years and years and years. And then whenever there are significant demand spikes in an underinvested commodity, it creates a huge, huge problem. Shortage, yeah. Yeah, and so that um, uh, new home construction, right, not meeting the needs over the last several years, um, and then uh, of course uh, the other thing that happened, that again was COVID related, but it wasn't about shutting down, was massive. Like, and I'm waiting for the new stats to come out because they're going to be just jaw-dropping of the amount of home projects that have happened in the last 18 months. Yeah, Everybody can DIY something now Well, COVID. But, I mean, everybody had to spend so much more time at home. So Yeah, they really learned what they didn't like about their home when they were trapped there for weeks. Right. So a a lot of home projects. And so the numbers are going to be staggering. And this is part of the reason why there's an appliance shortage. Sure, we've heard about chips, which also has uh, an underinvestment in their infrastructure over the last several years, but it's also because there was a massive demand as people were upgrading their kitchens and all because they were spending so much more time mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, they definitely needed bigger refrigerators when they couldn't go out to eat, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> of course they did. Uh, so, sort of makes you uh, be envious of uh, the people out there uh, that uh, are, are jarring and canning their own food and have huge stockpiles. I'm like, yeah, I okay. do that. Yeah, you're, you're smarter <laughs> than I am. I, uh, I, I farm and hunt in the grocery store, so... <laughs> Uh, back to the lumber I was laughing about it with a buyer the other day we were at a showing and there was like this big old stack of lumber on the side of the house we were like oh my gosh is that included with the sale like that's a fortune laying there on the ground uh, I used to make jokes about we always make jokes about like the car and the in that they've left in the garage during the showings like right. oh if only that car. now it's like yeah what are those four two by fours coming with the house <laughs> we could use those to remodel the downstairs with that office we need <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is. Uh, it's been a, a challenging facet for, you know, in, in terms of building, too. That's another thing that's going on right now. And I think there's still a handful of builders that might be able to build in 12 months or less. But I am getting quotes from builders in this area 
uh, of July of 2022. Oh, absolutely. Whoa. And so yeah. that's well into the following year. So we're getting, you know, 13, 14. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start getting some 15-month timelines on a build job. And that's just really very anticlimactic for somebody that's looking to move, that's basically sought out what we have available in this market. And whether it wasn't their cup of tea or they got outbid six times or 10 times or the number and then they think they're going to look at building as an option when you realize that you won't get the product for 14 months oh and then couple that with the fact that the rental market is now getting competitive also i mean i've seen the rental market really take a strong increase in this area too and we've got you know rents going up and we've got um, people moving to the area for multiple reasons, whether it's a company move, a relocation, or just because they want the good old Midwest, whatever it happens to be, we've got an increase in competition and rental uh, struggles as well. So all these pieces, you know, housing is definitely interesting right now. Again, it won't last forever, but it does bode to do your homework if you're looking to rent or buy a home to you know, get all the pieces put together before you step up to the plate to bat because you may be there and you want to be prepared. And I think the most the most important thing, and hopefully we're we're not all doom and gloom because it's not it's worth going out to find a house. The house values are not going to drop, uh, and it may not be as competitive, but you're not going to lose money. Uh, you may, uh, but I think what's mo- most important is is and you said it earlier is is to make sure you as a buyer have your expectations set. And understand what you're up against. You can deal with anything as long as you understand it. And then you've got good partners on your team. Well, and Dorothy said it best, and we're not very far away from Kansas. There's no place like home. That's right. So you can't, I mean, and, and, you know, we've talked a lot about projects. That's stuff you don't typically do or not allowed to do in a rental. And these are really things that root right to the core of home and why this is worth the investment, whether it's blood, sweat, and tears in this market or actually swinging the hammer once you buy the home. These are all things that bode to health, happiness, well-being. We've talked about in previous episodes all the things that home ownership does for you, does for community, does for education. It's all those amazing pieces. So it's worth the journey. It's worth it to get there and you're going to love it in the end. I, I absolutely, right? It's it's part of, you know, what makes it yours. There there's one other I want to shift to one other thing that we should probably bring up when we talk about this crazy market that was a moderately common, I don't want to say common, but it, it certainly was an unheard of occurrence. And then the the huge influx of it and some of the problems we're seeing because of it. And uh, n- nationally, they call it the concept of love letters. Um, so uh, for those that don't know what that means, sometimes, and you may have even been encouraged recently by your realtor to write a letter, a personal note to the sellers to suggest, um, hey, I'm so-and-so, I really love the house, I love this, and give them a little, you know, to make it a little bit more personal for them and and to hopefully give you a leg up as they're trying to figure out who it is they want to sell their home to when they have multiple offers. Now, we'll get into, and you guys can start talking about but I do want to say one, th- uh, we'll get into the problems of that, um, but I do want to say one thing. Uh, when you said it makes it hard on, when things make hard on sellers, multiple offers. I can tell you one of the biggest non-litigious, because we're going to talk about the legal problems, but one of the biggest non-litigious problems is is that 
sellers that are getting 10 and 15 offers and six and seven of them are coming with these heartbreaking love letters about how we've looked for 400 homes and we need a place to raise our child and everything. The pressure on them, they hate it. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah. So, uh, but there's other reasons right now we're finding out that these aren't a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, high competition might create a litigious uh, environment. And so let's just bring our best terms and conditions forward that meet the seller's needs and try and go about this very appropriately, if you will. Um, And we don't want to discriminate because we definitely want to make sure we are abiding by all fair housing guidelines. I mean, we've all taken the code of ethics in this room. We're all very serious about that in terms of being a realtor and serving to the highest capability that we have available. And we just don't want to um, discriminate on any basis that would violate any type of fair housing. And sometimes I think it's unintentional and it's a bias that people don't realize they're bringing to this, but we want to eliminate that um, in any facet possible. And sometimes those love letters just cross barriers that are not um, okay, unfortunately. So, so, yeah, let's break it down. Let's get real specific so people understand exactly what we're talking about in a love letter. Right. In a, hey, I really love your home. I, I love the way you've decorated it. I love the way it looks over the lake or the, the trees in the backyard or whatever it is. Inevitably, to make it personal, you will start talking about yourself. That's, that's, that's natural. It's human. It's okay um, to do in a conversation, et cetera. But from that, people are going to be able to extrapolate something. They're going to be able to extrapolate. Um, uh, maybe you have children. Maybe you don't have children. Your age. They're going to maybe potentially how old you are, or at least they're going to take a rough guess. Hey, I just graduated from college and I'm a first time home buyer. Now they know you're college educated. Mm-hmm. And uh, they might know that you're a man or a woman or uh, have a gender identity or whatever. That's what it I was going to say, mar- I was thinking like marital status, but that would be on your offer. But if it could be like yeah, and, and then gay or something. If you're gay, if you're straight, if you are black or Filipino or, um, you know, Religious Australian or a Christian or a Muslim yeah. or a Hindu, or if they can figure that out from these love letters, then what happens is, is somebody who didn't get the house is going to, if they catch wind of this, they're going to say, hey... This house was sold with racial bias, with gender bias, with some protected class bias Mm -hmm. that could be extrapolated from that letter that you innocently sent just trying to tell them that you love their house and would take great care of it. Um, And so those lawsuits, I don't know if I've heard of any locally, but they have started happening nationally. And so whereas I was okay with the concept of a love letter before because I didn't really think it through this way, I now will, will, won't pass them on. I just say, no, we can't do yeah. it. It's um, too risky. I'm pretty sure when my husband and I bought our first house about 11 years ago, we sent a love letter. But I feel like, well, we didn't know any better. I had no idea about real estate back then. She didn't use me either. No, I did not. <laughs> back in the times before she knew Jen. Yes. What a sad, sad time that was. 
<laughs> but I feel like back then, like the market was nothing like it is now. So it was almost like to go with our low ball offer. <laughs> like That's we right. love this Please house. Pick my Please low ball offer. Let us buy it for very cheap. <laughs> well, and you know, I'm very proud of you guys too because recently you completed, um, you know, implicit bias, Fairhaven, and a couple of the challenges issued by President of the National Association of Realtors, Charlie Opler, and our team is committed to you know learning about this and that's why we're talking about it today is there there is a real thing out here and we want to make sure that our team is doing everything to not only educate the consumer but we educate other realtors we issue this challenge to other realtors and we just really make sure that you know hey this wasn't a bias that was intentional but let's be aware of these things so that we're not doing it right mm. absolutely and I think we, we need to have coming up a, an entire podcast on on diversity and fair housing, which, you know, is, is strange. Uh, I think maybe uh, we need to pick the... No, equipment. Missouri is so blessed to have a couple of people that are part of the National Committee on Diversity, Inclusion, and Fair Housing. And they've got great ideas, and they can tell so much more about the educational pieces should, that are available. So we, should, we can know, definitely yeah. reach out to a couple of people yeah, that are... We won't put any names out now. So we, we won't, just in, in case they're not yeah. available. But yeah, absolutely, yeah, let's, let's we are very blessed know, with that. I know so. who you're talking about. Let's get mm-hmm. some of them on podcast. Um so uh, just a little more just kind of casual, personal, just like what, what's what's going on. So we'll start with you, Jen, just something that you've done in the last few weeks, deal-wise or whatever, just what what's going on. Anything? Okay, so for those of you that I haven't really talked about this on the podcast yet, I got into cowboy-mounted shooting, we got horses, and I am 11th on the rookie circuit right now for the USMS shooters. So I'm pretty proud of being 11th on the rookie circuit. That's pretty exciting. Watch out for Jen. I know, cowboy-mounted <laughs> well, shooting. That's, that's, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I always say, because uh, I'm kind of a geek, I always say uh, when the zombie apocalypse comes, I'm coming to your house. And now that I know you can shoot while riding, I'm definitely coming to your place. Because <laughs> you can pick off those zombies before they get anywhere near me give me the zombie bullets right (laughs) (laughs) oh man stevie what's going on in your world oh um a whole lot of house showings a whole lot of them yeah i hear you any anything (sighs) anything cool or fun or any neat house or anything no i'm pretty lame pretty lame (laughs) i have one okay so this was just a couple of days ago this happened uh, the client was backed into the driveway. Uh, I had been coming to cross 92 Highway. And for those of you that are local to our market here, 92 Highway is a hot mess. It was supposed to be done by May 1st. It is not done. So the train wreck from trying to get to Platte City as a Smithville is a real thing. Ugh. And it takes you an extra 20 minutes to go around. So anyways, that happened. And when I showed up, there was this long snake in front of the car. And the lady had her foot out the door. And I pull up and I'm like, holy cow, that snake is just like sunning itself in the driveway. So I'm like telling them that there's a snake and she's like, huh? And she is almost about to step on this snake. And it is a, it's just a garter snake. So it's a not poisonous snake. However, these larger garter snakes can be aggressive. So you want to be careful when you see like a three or four foot garter snake in front of your car. I'm like, whoa, watch out. And it did slither off, but it was so ironic. I mean, I can't honestly say I think that's ever happened to me in 20 some odd years of real estate that I pulled up and there was a snake sunning itself in front of the car Ew. and the lady's foot's out. I'm like, holy cow. Like, as, as it turns out though, your warning about being careful around any three or four foot snake is unnecessary. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm careful around the, the 
12 inch snakes or the 10 oh my gosh yeah, well and here i'm gonna like pop it across the yard if i could catch it the thing ran so fast oh, and they're man. like you're gonna do what and i'm like i'm just gonna get it out of here like i'm i'm the one that will do that my husband's the one that will run away and be like no i'm not touching snakes so <laughs> i just am not that bothered by snakes and spiders and that kind of stuff but anyways yeah oh my god yeah that was crazy Crazy things you see in real estate, snakes sunning themselves in driveway in front of clients' car. You know what I'm doing right now that's a little different for me, um, at least at this sort of intensity, I think it's part of because market is, is that uh, I'm looking at downtown condos with a client. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been- That would be cool. That's been interesting. Yeah. Uh, because like a couple of the condos since they've been up, I haven't even been in. Like the view, which has been up, I've never been in until mm-hmm. till this like two weekends ago, and we're still looking for stuff. But- uh, uh, yeah, condo market, of course, is not as big in Kansas City as it is in some other cities. And um, uh, it's it's moving swifter. It's not moving as swift as the housing market. But like the one property that they were very interested in went the same weekend. So it's it still can move very swift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It absolutely um, can. One of the things I think in Kansas City that's different that our HOAs are kind of still getting some of their stuff worked out because, again, it's a it has been in this market, but it's not been as prevalent because we've had a lot of older buildings now converted in right. the condos in yeah. our area. So it's coming yeah. to be more of an affordable housing option. I think that's my personal opinion. That's one of the ways we could do it. And, and even condomizing some apartments that are around in this area, mm-hmm. I think that's also a potential longer term affordable housing solution. So we'll kind of see, we got to get this HOA thing figured out. I'm sure there's a lot of people that do have it figured out, but I know there's still some kind of well, you look getting, at you look at the, that. Getting there. You look at that in the high rises, and you see a monthly fee of four hundred and fifteen dollars, and you're like, "Oh my god, no way!" And then you realize it includes your electric, it includes your water, all the maintenance on it, uh, your heating and cooling, and and then you go, "Hang on, that's all four hundred fifteen dollars a month, and I don't have to worry about it." And then you start yeah, thinking, "That's not bad. That's not bad." Right, right, I know and, exactly. And, and so, yeah, uh, and and so I was just—it was fun to refamiliarize myself. And you know, of course, there's a little bit of extra paperwork when it comes to condos, so you got to make sure that you have somebody who knows what they're doing um, to make sure that they're getting you know resale certificates and financials and everything of of the condo itself. But uh, pretty pretty cool. And some of those buildings are really neat. Some of the amenities are very cool as well. So that's kind of been the new thing for me in the last few weeks. Yeah, I like the old industrial look of a lot of those like old redone buildings. Those mm-hmm. are super cool. There's a couple of people even redoing down in Parkville um, VRBOs over the top of some of the businesses down there. Oh, and yeah. it's going over really well. So another uh, current thing that's happening in Parkville. So if you're coming to the area, check out the VRBOs in Parkville and the revitalization in downtown Parkville. I mean, it's really impressive. They've been doing a lot. It's impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, we've come to the end of our time. So let's take a minute and uh, share with everybody how they might want to get a hold of us. So to get a hold of me, it's eric at dreamhomesbygen.com. That's E-R-I-K at dreamhomesbygen.com. Or you can call or text 301-4121. That's 816-301-4121. Or get a hold of Jen at jen, J-E-N, at dreamhomesbygen.com. And you can text and call me 816-405-2439. Or you can send me an email, Stevie, S-T-E-V-I-E, at dreamhomesbygen.com. And, of course, you can call or text me as well, 816-500-9691. Or if you just want to get online, you can always check out our website at dreamhomesbygen.com. Our podcasting library is there, as well as lots of great information. 
All right, folks, that's it for this episode of Get Real KC. Tune in next time. Until then. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.